Blog Talk Radio. Gentlemen, welcome to Let's Talk on Plot Talk Radio. I'm your host, Mr. Talk in the House. How y'all doing out there today? I hope everybody's having a wonderful day and you had a wonderful weekend uh, doing whatever it was that you did. <laughs> doing with whatever you did. You know, because life is too short, man, to, to, to not do what you really want to do. You know, yeah, I mean, life is too short. It really is. So I hope all of you had a great weekend and you did everything that you wanted to do. Uh, let's see. Today we have a outstanding, another outstanding show planned for you. Um, a very, very, very interesting show to say the least. Of course, we have our quote of the day, our Black History moment of the day, and our song of the day for you. That's right. We have all of that, all of that, and I cannot wait to bring it to you. But first, before we go any further, let me tell you how you can be a part of the show. Um, and, you know, a couple of ways. There is, there's a couple of ways you can be a part of the show, and we want you to know what they are so you can join in and to the conversation. The first and easiest way is to call me. That's all you got to do. Just call us, 347-838-8622. That's the easiest way to do it. You hear me? That is the easiest way to do it. Um, after that, there's our chat room that is open at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Mr. Talk. So you can call us that way as well. Um, you can email me at ericlesstalk at gmail.com or the co-host at p.leona.ross24 
at gmail.com. Yep. And one other way is to log on to our web show's webpage at www.ericletstalk.com. So those are all the ways you can participate in the show, and we do look forward to hearing from you because we want to hear from you. I, I know we say this every, every week, but, yes, we want to hear from you. We do. And why? Because. Because your, 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 <laughs> your thoughts, your comments, they really do matter. As I mentioned a long time before, I learned as much from you as you do from me. Hey, yeah. Okay, so that is why I say give me a call. Uh, I want to hear what you have to say. Um, so those are all the ways you can participate on the show. And like I said before, we do look forward to hearing from each and every one of you. Um, let's see. On the show today, what are we going to talk about on the show today? Man, it's a whole lot to talk about on the show today. It really is. We have, um, we're going to talk about this parade that you know who keeps talking about, 45 keeps talking about. And I'm going to give you some personal, some insight to this thing that you as a normal citizen would not have about how we military feel about parades, okay? Um, yeah. And let's see, we're going to talk about Congress passing another continued resolution until March the 23rd, you know, and, and uh, the money that is uh, being pushed for the military and other programs, um, plus the money for the disasters aid in, um, you know, Texas, Puerto Rico, Florida. And yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. Here's an interesting, interesting one. California, the state of California, insurance commissioner is now investigating Aetna Insurance Company. Yeah, because isn't this crazy, y'all? A former medical director admitted under oath, under oath, that he never looked at a patient's records when he was deciding whether or not they needed care or not to approve care. Now, that is just despicable. Just despicable. Yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. And, of course, I told you about the Black History Moment, you know, with Mr. Mr. Percy, about Mr. Percy LaVon Julian, chemist extraordinaire, and the struggles that this man had to go through. I mean, when I say this man had to go through some struggles, he had to go through some things. Uh, and, of course, as I mentioned before, we have our, our, our regular regular things going as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have our regular things going as well. Uh, we have uh, uh, song of the day, quote of the day, and uh, um, Black History moment. So, so um, that's that's what we're gonna be doing talking about today. And I, as I said before, I want you to know that you are important to me. Okay. The title of the show today is We Don't Need No Stinking Parade. Now, I could have chose a stronger word than stinking, but, you know, I, I decided I'd just leave that right there that way. <laughs> that way, um, everything would be all right. 
Yeah, everything would be okay. We we we'll go with that one. All right. So, um, no, as we waiting on the co-host to get here, you know, we do apologize for not having a show last Friday. But of course, y'all know how things go. You know, with, with you get these last minute appointments, and and if you're a veteran, you understand. So we just can't miss that sometimes. We cannot miss that. So. Um, and it did conflict with the showtime, so I had to make a decision. And I'm sorry, y'all. I had to take, take care of my health, make these appointments, you know. Because like anything else involving the government, if you don't make it, then they'll try and take it away from you. And, you know, that's never a good thing. Why? Because I earned it. <laughs> that I did. I earned it. But it's okay, though. It's okay. We're here today, though. We're here today. No matter what, we are here, and we're going to kick in real, real good. All right? Real good. Uh, Let's see. What else we got going on? That's that's about it, really. That is about it. Um, So I think we go ahead and knock the song of the day out the way. And this is an upbeat song, y'all. We got a song of the day. It's an oldie, but it's sung by a, a, a youngster. <laughs> Youngster And uh, It's some good stuff man It's some good stuff So what we're going to do do today We're going to play the new version And then we're going to bring you the, oh, the, the the original older version At the end of the show uh, You'll be bobbing your head to both of them I already know this That's always a great thing Because <laughs> music is Music is a wonderful thing y'all. Y- y'all just don't know How great music is no matter how bad you feel it, you hear the right song with the right beat, and it automatically brings you up. It, it automatically lifts your spirit, you know. But then again, don't forget, they can always bring you down as well, bring back some memories you never want to hear about or you never want to deal with. So, you know, music is always a good thing. That's why I love music. I listen to all kinds of music, as y'all can tell from my song selections. I listen to it all. You know, because no matter what style of music is, there's always something in that music that can reach out and touch you and make you remember some things. Yeah. That's right. Music can give you some courage and give you strength. It can put you in a deep depression. You know, it can make you be real thoughtful about some things. So, you know, that's the beauty of, beauty of music. The beauty of music. Yeah, we know for sure that some music you listen to, listen to, listen to is just crazy, you know. And you be like, man, back in my day, but some of today is good as well, you know. Um, just have to listen to the to the words of the song, I guess you could say, if you can understand it. That I think that's the biggest thing with music. When you when, when talk about music in today's in today's music industry, you have to hear, be able to hear the words and understand what they're saying. You know, for old dogs like me, that's sometimes that's a difficult thing. Huh? What what does that mean? My broccoli. You make a song about broccoli. You know, now we know in the teenage world that's something totally it has a different meaning than what we think about. But you say broccoli? Hey, I'm thinking about something. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is, huh? Anyway, anyway, you know what we're going to do now? We're going to go ahead and bring you the song today. This is Miss Tori Kelly, y'all. 
and she's doing an old Stevie Wonder standard called You Don't Want You Worry About a Thing. And we see y'all at the end of about four minutes, man. Enjoy the music.
If you didn't move to that, I don't know. You may be sick today. <laughs> you may be something, but I'm telling you, that's a nice song right there. She did, she did Stevie some good. She did Stevie proud. <laughs> that's all I can say about that one. She did Stevie proud. Oh, man. Woo! Look, had me all up here jumping and singing and moving around. Yeah. I tell you, what a great, great song. All right. So, that was your song of the day. And I hope you enjoyed it. Miss Tori Kelly, don't you worry about a thing. Yeah. I'm going to have to rewrite one for Stevie myself. Y'all know what I mean? I'm going to write one for Stevie Wonder. I mean, I see I got a song for you. It goes like this. Yeah, I know. I know. Stick to the talking, right? <laughs> I ain't telling y'all. I'm going to surprise y'all one day. I, I really am. I'm going to surprise y'all one day, and we going to kick it in to high. Yeah. Yes, I'm going to just come on here and just start singing. I'm not going to tell you who it is. I'm going to put the track behind it. I'm going to sing. Then I'm just going to play it, and then I'm going to tell you who it is. Y'all be like, oh, I can sing. Well, like I said, I told y'all I can sing. Y'all don't know what y'all be praying for. <laughs> ah, man, okay. All right. That, that, that sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, man. But you know what? It's all good in the neighborhood. Yes, 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 yes. Y'all know y'all love me to talk. Y'all love for me to be talking and singing to you. But anyway, anyway, that that was your song of the day, and um, hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. <laughs> Don't you worry about a thing. <laughs> Don't you worry about a thing, mama. Hey, you know. And sometimes that's the way you have to look at life, man. Don't you worry about a thing because some things are just going to come and they're just going to be there and they're just going to be there. You know, and you get to worry about them and they, they, they change the way you feel sometimes. They change your attitude. Why? Why? When you have the power to control that, you have the power to, to make things happen. You know what I mean? So don't worry about things you can't control. Or you, I mean, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's going to be taken care of. You know, some of y'all out there, y'all, you're 30, 40 years old, you look like you're 50 and 60 because you worry about everything you're going to say. Don't stop doing that. You know, you, you, you're killing yourself. You're ruining your health. And it's, it's not really <laughs> worth it. I'll be honest. It's not worth it, man. You know, it's not worth it. So let's, let's. You know, stop doing that. Stop doing that. Okay? I'm just saying. I'm just saying, y'all. You know? Because we have. We have the ability. You know, we have the knowledge to to, to, to do a lot of things. And, and a lot of times we, we just, you know, be messing it up. You know what I mean? Sometimes we should be messing things up because we worry and worry and worry and worry and worry about nothing. About nothing. You know? Sometimes, you you know, it's things are put in your path to teach you a lesson. You know? 
So stop worrying about things you think. So stop worrying about what people are saying about you. So stop worrying about that. People are going to talk about you whether you're doing good or doing bad. They are. Because that is what humans do. Stop worrying about that. Stop worrying about what your neighbor has. And just concentrate on what you have. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that's it's simple. Anyway, so 
other half of this great team in. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're going to bring my co-host P. Ross into the house. P, what's going on? How you doing? What you doing? Talk to me. I'm doing great. I see you um, all caught up again, but it's okay. It's all right. It's all right. I understand. You just don't want the people to worry. We understand. We got the message. We don't try not to worry. And not worry about. Yeah, and we're going to worry about not worrying. And then she said, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what am I calling in? Hey, I'm just saying, trying to get the people not worrying, you know, not to worry about stuff. But then, you know, it's possible, you know, then they're going to be worried about not worrying because they ain't got nothing to worry about when they consume most of their day. For some of them, but not for everybody, you know, I'm just saying. So, you know. <laughs> Um, 
with uh, Bernard Le Beauvier de Fontenelle, uh, a French writer, that he said it first, um, which, which, which we don't know, but we know a lot of people have said it, and we know that it, it, it still remains true. This is the quote today for whomever <laughs> is accredited to. It simply says, history is a fable agreed upon. Again, it is just simply as this. History is a fable that uh, that is agree, agreed upon. So, when we say we know what a fable is, right? That's a story, you know. That's that's a story made up story, like Hansel and Gretel and all those little fables we grew up with. So then, when we apply history, you know, we can look back and we can say, especially this month, as we're talking about um, Black history, African American history, whichever you want to call it. Um, when we look at and we see what's missing, and we see all of the things in history and all of the data and, and all the inventions and, and, and creations and all of these things that have been done, and, and yet we don't see ourselves. We don't see any black faces in it. You know, we, we, we see the cotton gin. We see the study of peanut butter, and we see study of tomatoes, you know. Um, but beyond that, you know, we see Harriet Tubman and the Underground Railroad, but we don't see beyond that. See, in other words, we, we, we see what everyone else said is acceptable to put out there for our history. So that's what it means. It's a fable. It's not the fact. It's not the whole truth. See, it is is what was deemed to be put out to the public, to be put out to the mess, the masses, and deemed as acceptable for that time. See, and you see it today, still see it today, even in the media, even in our newspapers, even in in, in the news. What's acceptable? See, and everything else gets whitewashed, for lack of a better word, and pushed away or deleted or hidden or stolen, as they would say. And then our children don't know about these things except that we ourselves do the research and bring it to their attention. See, books are are disappearing out of libraries, you know, old school books, old knowledge that we had before. I remember in high school, when my sister was in high school, you know, they had black history classes. Well, by the time I got to high school, they they were already eliminated. We had world history. We didn't have black history. We had world history by then. Because I remember her coming home with the books and her telling me about it. I was like, oh, yeah, when I get to high school, uh, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that class. Well, it wasn't there. See, so so just knowing that the history that is there, what they call history, and remember, it's his story. It's not our story. So until we write the truth, until we research the truth, until we proclaim the truth. And, you know, one of the things that we forget about is 
our ancestors, our grandparents, and our great-grandparents, because black history in and of itself was an oral history. And we forget about that. And we forget we, we, we didn't continue to tell the stories. Nobody took the time to write it down. You know, our genealogies were kept in the family Bible when everybody was born and when everybody got married. You know, everybody had one of those Bibles when every time somebody was born, they write it in the Bible, the name, the birth date, you know, their parents, mother and father, and all of that. It was an oral history. See, and, and we've lost the appreciation for that. When our ancestors and, and when our elders began to talk to us and, and, and tell us how it was in Jim Crow and tell us how it was, you know, for the few of them that are left, you know, on working on a plantation and being in slavery. We've lost the appreciation for that. So then all we have is what they say. But we have to research for ourselves and understand that that's not totally the truth. That's not all there was to us. And we have to understand that and, and, and then move beyond, move beyond that little bit of information for those 28 days in the breath of a year that you get to see, you know, who made the cotton gin. You know, you get to see, again, why they gave Martin Luther King a holiday in January. But nothing is said the rest of the year. But you don't get to hear about Henry Alex, as we talked about. You, you you don't get to hear about Percy Julian. So you don't you don't get to hear about these people because nothing is is ever said. You don't get to hear about the man who revolutionized the shoe industry, where you no longer had to go to a cobbler. That now you had an industrialized way to mass produce shoes. You don't hear about that. See, so we, 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 we have to understand that if our children are going to know who we are and where we come from, we're going to have to be the ones to tell them. We don't hear about Marcus Garvey and, and Holly Selassie, you know. We don't hear about, you know, Norbert Rillier, who invented refined sugar. Didn't know that, did you? So if we don't study, how will our children know? How will they know who these people are? How will they know that the everyday products that they use was invented by people of their same skin tone? Whom were deemed not smart enough to even attend college with them, to even go to college. To even work along beside them, who told them, well, now that you've got a college degree, you know, you shouldn't aspire to anything else but to go back and teach your people what you have learned. Because, you know, that's the best that you can do is, you know, teach your people. You're not smart enough to teach our people. No, that, 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 wouldn't, be, that wouldn't be appropriate for you to be in a place where you teach white people anything. So, 
remember, history is just a fable agreed upon. They agreed to what should be put out there and how it should be put out there and how much should be put out there. So the next time somebody is trying to tell you who you are and what your history is, ask them if it's the whole truth of only what they've been told. So on that note, let's talk about Mr. Percy LeVon Julian, who was a chemist. He was a black chemist in the early 1950s. Started out, his parents were slaves. His father, however, his grandfather would take him out into the woods and tell him the importance of all of the plants and trees that were growing around him. And he would tell them about the medicinal medicinal qualities of those plants and how the plants could be used to heal people. So from that early time, he wanted to be a chemist. He wanted to utilize that knowledge to help people to heal. So in his endeavor to do that, now his parents, it wasn't like his parents were not educated because they were. They were graduates of Alabama State University, you know, and who's, you know, he even though they had graduated, they had degrees, he could only be employed as a clerk at a at a railway railway service. His mom, as I said, was a school teacher. See, and these are these are Jim Crow times. These are these are times he, he's growing up. See? And and one of the things that he remembered as a as a child was that he was out in the woods and he was looking at some stuff and he came upon a man lynch hanging from a tree, you know. And while walking in the woods near his house, and, and then on the way back home, you know, from seeing that, he saw a rattlesnake and he killed it. And when asked upon completion of college, asked his most profound fear or what was one of his fondest memories about living in Jim Crow in segregated times, and he said that every time I see a white person, I see a rattlesnake. Because he assimilated the two together, from the man being lynched and the rattlesnake, which he killed on the way back home. And he never was able to separate those two. Even with all of that, he attended DePaul University in Greencastle, Indiana. This is a school that only accepted a few African Americans. See, he wasn't even allowed to live in the college dorm. Now, he's away from home, no place to live. So he had to find a place off campus in a boarding home, which the lady there refused to serve him meals. Everybody else who stayed there was able to come down to the kitchen and eat, but he couldn't. So he walked around for a day and a half just trying to find somewhere where he could get something to eat, somewhere that would serve a black man. It took him a day and a half. So then as his luck turned about, 
he was able to get a job in a one of the fraternity houses. You know, he had to stoke the fire for them, and that just means he had to build the fire for them and do little menial tasks, you know. He had to fire the furnace and, and wait on tables and, and other little odd jobs in order to stay there, but he slept in the attic, and he was able to eat at the house, so he didn't have to walk to find a place to eat anymore every day. So he earned his he earned his bachelor's and but he what he wanted was a doctorate. Because he, he wanted to be a chemist in his doctor. He wanted to be a chemist. But they told him, you know, hey, listen, be glad that you got what you got, go back, teach your people. So then he went to Fisk University and, and he stayed there for a while on the fellowship and became an instructor there. Later on, he got a fellowship to go to Harvard to obtain his master's. And he went there for a while. He got his master's. However, Harvard would not allow him a teaching assistantship which he needed to complete his Ph.D. They didn't want him teaching their students. They didn't think that it would be appropriate. Now, these are in the night. This is the 1920s. This is the early 1920s. This man has a degree. He's very intelligent. Coming in behind all of his other white students, he exceeded above them. He had a lot of catching up to do. He even wrote his parents and said, I really don't. I think you made a mistake sending me here because all of these students are eons ahead of me, even though he graduated. But it was because of the substandard education for the black students versus what the white students were being taught. They weren't taught trigonometry. And these things he needed in order to be the chemist he wanted to be. So eventually fate turned, and I like to say the hand of God turned, and he got a fellowship at the University of Vienna. And he went there, and he studied under Ernst Spass. He was a a, a very impressive instructor in Europe. And there he found freedom from the racial prejudice that was he experienced in the United States because it, it it just wasn't that type of atmosphere. So he became one of the first African Americans to receive a PhD in chemistry. Even with that, even with that, even with all of that freedom, even with the freedom to socialize you know, with people of all races in Europe, he comes back to the United States and is subject to the same harsh treatment. He can only get a job teaching at a black university. So he taught at Howard for a year. But eventually, you know, he got caught up in the politics of that, had to leave that, you know, because sometimes, you know, we have the tendency to tear down our own when they're being successful. So finally he landed a job with Glennon Paint. He had a friend, you know, and he went to this one 
place, and they told him, oh, no, we didn't know you were black. We didn't know you were black. We just looked credentialed. But we can't hire you because you're black, basically. But finally, he went to Glidden, and Glidden took a chance on hiring him. So they started him out, and they wanted him to extract polymers from the soybean. And that's all they wanted him to do. They told him just to, 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 to stick to soybean. See? Now, DuPont wouldn't hire him at all. See? And even when he went to Wisconsin, you know, he had to hurry up and get out before nightfall because there would be no place for him to stay because he couldn't stay. They could not be bedded or boarded overnight in Appleton, Wisconsin. So when he went to Glennon, the door was open. And he did the research on soybeans, and he made all of these products for the coating of cars and glue and paper from a soybean. But he also was working on the side, the the synthesis of human steroidal sex hormone because his wife was suffering from infertility. That means she couldn't get pregnant because in that time a lot of babies were were lost because of the diets of women and their progesterone levels were not adequate or they were not what they needed to be in order to sustain a full-term pregnancy. So he kept researching, kept researching, and Glidden gave him the opportunity to do this in his spare time, and he worked tirelessly day and night. His wife sometimes wouldn't see him for days. But he finally found it. He finally did it. And he made a product out of progesterone that out of the soybean, extracted the progesterone, isolated, and they were able to give it to the women. And his wife was eventually able to have children, a son and a daughter. But when he wanted to expand to make more progress, prevented not only by Glidden, because Glidden told him just to stick to making paint applications. See, because he had found a way to to make the paint on your cars stick and shine. He was able to discover something that when you put the paint on your wall and your kids roll on the wall, you could wipe it off without ruining the paint. He also invented the the glue for wallpaper. But now that he had synthesized progesterone and estrogen from a plant, from the soybean. What he wanted to do next was 
to find a way to mass-produce cortisol. Any of you who ever had any knee injuries or anything or joint injuries, you know that cortisol is a shot that they give you to alleviate that. Well, a lot of people in 1949 were suffering from rheumatoid arthritis. And Merck, which was a competing drug company, had a 36-step synthesis that was developed by Lewis Sarah. That means there are 36 steps that they needed to do chemically to get to the place where they only produce one little ounce of cortisol. Possibly just 17 grams, which wasn't enough even to alleviate the pain of one person. So it was very expensive. So he was trying to find a way to do it more reasonably. Took it to his boss. He was told to just stick just stick to paint. Stick to paint polymers. So finally he got the opportunity years later to start his own lab. But first they had to get through the Mexican steroid intermediates who would not allow them the access to a certain potato that they need because it it was better than the soybean. And they could get, they could get, it was the Mexican yam from the the Mexican Barbasco trade. And, and, And it had the enzymes. And it had everything that they needed in order to mass produce it. But it would not allow anybody else to farm it. It would not allow them to buy it. It would not allow them to get it. So finally, in the class action suit, Julian and along with other scientists, other chemists, brought it before the Supreme Court. And they were allowed to build a plant in Guatemala where they could grow the yam, harvest the yam, and get what they need in order to produce prednisone, which is a steroid. A steroid. Now, we have a documentary attached to our webpage. You can go and look at that because there's a whole lot to his journey. Just in being able to do or to fulfill his childhood dream. All these robots being put in the way, but he knows that he can do it. He knows he has the intellect. He knows that he has the intelligence, but is being denied the means to do it. But persevering in spite of. So then when we look at that and and we look at all these, even with this small amount of information that I gave you, even when we look at this and we see the opportunities that we have today, and we see the obstacles that these men had to overcome and still be denied a place in the historical record. You have 
or you should, I say, you should have a greater appreciation who you really are and where you really come from. And then realize that truly all things are really possible when we decide to persevere. When we stop accepting no as an answer. When we stop accepting what they say about who we are and what we can or can't accomplish. We're more than a standardized test. But do we realize that? Percy Julian's story is a story not just of great accomplishment or heroic effort, but also overcoming tremendous odds. It's a story about who we are and what we stand for. And all the challenges that were there then, and if we look at it, people, are still with us today. But that being said, they are not insurmountable. They can be overcome. And that's our history moment for today. All right. And that was the Black History Moment of the Day, Mr. I'm sorry, Chemist, Mr. Percy LaVon Jr. Hey, y'all know this man, I'll tell you, this man was extraordinary. You know, by the end of his career, man, I'll tell you, by the end of his career, he had 18 honorary degrees and 12 other and civics and scientific awards. In 1973, he was elected to the National Academy of Sciences, only the second African-American in history. That's right, at that time. In 1993, there was a stamp actually put out honoring him, you know, because every Black History Month, they try and come out with a stamp. But his was in 1993. And in 1999, the American Chemical Society recognized his synthesis of psychostigma as one of the top 25 achievements of American history. That is really doing a lot and, and achieving a whole lot. And you, you know the interesting thing about Mr. Julian was he said he still didn't reach the potential that he knew he could. Isn't that something? And now we sit here looking at all these achievements this man has done. Did y'all know his because of his achievements and um, during his early times with Glidden that Ford Motor Company actually was using his paint uh, um, to um, paint he helped develop to paint their vehicles. Yeah, see, I didn't know that either. And his home, and homes back during that time. So you know, when, when you take a look at this guy. He didn't. He didn't let anything stop him. He didn't, and that's what we have to do. We 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 just can't let no be the final say. We can't do it. No matter how many times they tell you no, you definitely can fix it. You can, you can get around that. You just have to have the determination in the drive. You know, and as we say sometimes, you got to have the cojones to do it. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. Okay. And the other, the so other, anyway, the other, 
the other thing I, I, I forgot to mention was that he also held six U.S. patents for the different processes that he discovered and, and initiated. He he held six from 19, his first, he received his first patent in 1940, and his last one he received in 1973, which was the process for the manufacture of steroids, chlorohydrins. Yeah. Now, those those are the ones that he ended up having. But when he was at Glidden, he had patents on a whole lot of other things, but when he left Glidden. But he couldn't own them. Yeah, he know, couldn't own them. He let them have yeah. them. Yeah, he let them have them. You know, hey, if, if that's what it's going to take for me to get out and do my own thing, then, hey, you can have it. You can have it. I don't yeah. need it. <laughs> you know. And sometimes you, you have to look at that. Sometimes you just got to walk away. Got to walk away from it. Walk away. Walk, 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 walk away. You know? But anyway, that was Mr. Chemist. Chemist, Mr. Percy LaVon <laughs> Jr. Yeah. I mean, very, 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 very encouraging story there. You know, um, as P. Ross said, we do have uh, video on the show's webpage, www.ericletstalk.com. And for those that may be in the chat room, I put it in the chat room, the link in the chat room as well. So you can go and check it out and, and see, you know, what we're talking about here. All right. So it's time to move on to the get, the get, the get, the get down. It's time to get on to the get, 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 get down. Guest 759 and 773. Thank you for hanging out with us in the chat room. Glad you could join us. 224-1193. I see you. Thank you for hanging out with us. Um, Man, there's a whole lot going on. There's a whole lot going on since last Monday. We last had our conversation last Monday. And there's a whole lot going on, man. A whole lot. But I want to, uh, being that this is um, Black History Month, I do want to um, put something out there that, that me and Pete talked about, and we did find it very, very interesting. We found it interesting. And that was um, Prince George County in Maryland. Uh, this week, actually, we'll be learning about the Black Lives Matter movement in class. In their school. That's right, in their school, which is cool. Um, it's going to be called Black Lives Matter Week. Of the week shall start, like I said today, and continue through the end of all end of the week in all schools in the district. And that's Prince George County District, school district, I guess is how you say it. Uh, and the goal is to encourage conversation and reflection about social justice in school. Now, see, now, that's what we're talking about. We're beginning to have a conversation about some things that need to be talked about. Now, the question is, is it going to be an open and honest conversation, or is it going to have to be watered down and sugar-coated a little bit? Um, But the goal is to encourage conversation and reflection about social justice in schools. Um, And this is supposed to be a national movement that was – Started by a group of teachers, administrators, and parents. So this is not any outside group. We are talking about teachers, administrators, and parents. 
at all. And let's be honest, those three groups right there are, are the most important to a child's learning. So it, it's a great thing to see them working together. Okay, and um, it would be among the first school systems in Maryland to pass this set of this sort of resolution. Okay, now. I haven't read anything else where it said it was happening anywhere else across the nation. So I'm going to say it's the first of its kind across the nation to where a school district, a school district is going to have a Black Lives Matter week. That That is just outstanding. Um, the article goes on to say it's unclear what types of events and discussions will happen in the upcoming week. Uh, it would be at the teacher's discretion. As to whether they will plan, whether a plan takes place during school, before or after it, or if it includes instructional time. Now, the Prince George uh, County District School District is 60% African American and 30% Latino. Right, so you can say basically it's 10% others, however you want to put to classify others. Okay, but the majority. Uh, 60% African American Blacks and 30% Latino um, When the resolution Black Lives Resolution was read um, It went something like this In part The 13 guide principles of the Black Lives Matter movement Highlighted this week of action Are a means of Challenging the Insidious legacy of Institutional racism and Oppression that has plagued The United States since it's found. All right, so that is what the resolution read right there that was passed in Prince George County, Maryland School District. And as it said, it just wasn't uh, some outsider coming in and saying, this is what we would like for you. No, this was done by the teachers, the administrators, and the parents. Great stuff. That is a start. That is a start. Now, do we know, do we uh, feel that it can be a little bit Better? Yes, 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 because I would like to see uh, a little bit more structure as as far as activity, uh, maybe trips, maybe uh, leaders coming in and speaking with kids. You know, even bring Connor Kaepernick in to speak with the kids. They would get a kick out of that. You know, of course, we know what would happen if that happened, right? Half the kids, well, the other 10% probably wouldn't come to school because their parents probably pull them out of school. Okay, I'm not going to say 10%, 8% of the other parents who can pull those kids out of school because, you know, because the narrative got all screwed up about what Colin Kaepernick was standing for. But anyway, this is a great thing right here. This really is, and I am so happy that at least one, one school district has the nerve and the balls to do this. Now, let's remember last week, no, the week before last, the weekend before, well, last weekend actually, we brought you a story about a ceasefire in Baltimore, Maryland, where, um, you know, the murder rate was just outrageous. It is outrageous. So hopefully this will spread throughout, let's say, just the state of Maryland right now and then move and become, become like a snowball and just get bigger and bigger to where we will see Black Lives Matter Week across the nation. Now, let's be honest. Don't hold your breath for that, okay? Because I doubt if you're going to see, see it too much in the state like Alabama, Tennessee, uh, Georgia, 
Texas. <laughs> Make me stop. You know, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You know, because, because regardless of how much you try, there would always be those out there that would try and kill whatever there is to, to enlighten, enlighten the masses. And that's all it is, trying to enlighten the masses. Let them see another part, a version of what's really happening out there. Let's begin to tell the truth about what's really going on. How this country, country was founded? You know, what took place in this country? You know, that's, that, that, that is why I'm excited that um, this school district has decided to do that. Now, I know a lot of people are saying, ah, they should be doing that in school. They should be teaching well, let's be honest. They're not teaching them anything else besides a standardized test anyway. They come out of school dumber than what they went in. Let's not sugarcoat this thing. That, that is the truth. So I'm happy to see stuff like this. You know, if if you don't if you don't like it, well, like I said, don't let your kid go to school that week or whatever. Hey, that's your choice. But this wasn't put together by children. They're put together by teachers, administrators, and parents. Okay? Those three individuals. Groups. Individual groups. So that is a great thing. Keep going, Prince George County. Hey, show them how it's supposed to be done. (laughs) Show them how it's supposed to be done. All right. So, moving right along. You know, I, I was supposed to bring that to y'all last week. Was, oh, well, that's right. We did do a show Friday because of uh, conflicting schedules. But um, yeah, that's 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 what is happening. And y'all y'all remember that that that, that um uh, a clip that, that that video clip I kept telling y'all I wanted y'all to hear. However, I could never get it. To, we could never get it to play. Get around to playing it. Well, I have it now, and I'm gonna play it right now. And then we'll go on with what else we got to say. Because I want y'all to hear this. And I want you to listen. Really listen to what's being said. I say the same thing all the time. But I want you to hear somebody else saying it. And it's from the movie Truth, which was based, uh, about George W. Um, blah, 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 George W. Bush's uh, military service record. And Dan Rather, how CBS Dan Rather got the records. But I want y'all to listen to this. It, it, it's pretty dang gone good, I must say. All right, so here it is. It's not that long. Our story was about whether Bush fulfilled his service. Nobody wants to talk about that. They want to talk about fonts and forgeries and conspiracy theories because that's what people do these days if they don't like a story. They point and scream. They question your politics, your objectivity, hell your basic humanity, and they hope to God the truth gets lost in the scrum. And when it is finally over, and they have kicked and shouted so loud, we can't even remember what the point was. But you didn't prove it. You didn't prove uh, Ben Barnes got the president into the guard. You didn't prove the memos are real. The burden of proof is on you. 
By that standard, the Times would never have run the Pentagon Papers, the Post would never have listened to Deep Throat. Ben Barnes is hardly Deep Throat. Ben Barnes has confessed to abusing his power to keep some of the richest and most privileged sons of Texas from getting their asses blown up in Vietnam. Ms. Mapes, don't you think it's possible, just possible, that some of those fine young privileged men, as you call them, got into the National Guard on their own merit. No, sir. No, I do not. All right. That's uh, just a short snippet, and let me set this up. She was being, she was in front of a quote-unquote review board because uh, basically they had to have a call person for this one, and since so she was the lead editor in there, uh, yeah, they had, they was trying to, you know, do it in. Put it that way. So this is this one white woman in front of this whole panel of powerful white journalists, men, whatever, and they were grilling her. And uh, I, I love what she said, especially about how the narrative is changed. Your your uh, gender is, is uh, uh, questioned. You know your politics. I mean, and if you really listen to what that woman said, we have seen all that within the last couple of years. At least. Now, we know if we go back further, we, we know it goes back further than that. But I'm just saying for, you know, to, to have you right here in the present with me, in the, within the last two years, we have seen exactly what she said. We see it on a daily basis. On a daily basis. You know, and I just wanted y'all to hear that. I wanted y'all to, to understand that this movie was done. Who? I forgot. To, I forgot to hear what it was done. But if you think about what happened to the Colin Kaepernick thing, if you think about um, this this sexual harassment thing with the, with the president, and now his his communication leader, you think about all this, and notice how the narrative is changing, changing to where now only thing they want to talk about is, is a memo. A memo. Not in the thing. Well, the president is not going to release the Democrat memo because it has some. Well, who cares? Like I said last week, who cares? Who really cares? Is it is it anything new? No. But what what are they trying to hide by keep pushing that out in front of us? What is that? What are they trying to hide? See. And I just wanted y'all hear hear it explained like that. Because it, this this woman really she broke it down, she really broke it down. And you see, you got a and just like you see anywhere a, a room full of white men trying to discredit what you know to be true to protect. Now they're not trying to get that true, but to protect those that are more privileged. Yeah, I guess you could say, or and let's be honest, the elitist, and that's what they do on a daily basis. You know, Dan Rather. I used to love watching Dan Rather. Dan Rather actually resigned because of this. You know, that's just a little something, something for y'all to think about. You know, like I said, hey, I, I've been trying to bring that to you for a couple of weeks and. You know, when I saw it last night, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get this done today. I'm going to get her done. Get her done, man. That's right. So I put that 
rules for uh, in my my uh, hang outside of my mouth, and I got them done. That's right. So, Woo-hoo! let's ride that horse. Let's ride that horse. <laughs> All right. Anyway, <laughs> P, you want to add anything to that before I move on to? We don't need no sneaky parade. Uh, no. <laughs> no, but you know, and, and and looking at that, it, it, you know that clip, you know, and it's just not only that part of, of just trying to protect the 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 leak, but also the the value that what the the lack of a value, I should say, of what they place on what women say. You know, if, if if it would have been a man, maybe, yeah, you might have had a little bit, you know, more credibility. But because you're a woman and you really don't know what you're talking about, you hush. You just you, you, you just don't say anything because it's not for you to bring up about what men do. And it's sad because people do really live like that and act like that, you know. And, and, and whether it's the truth or not, just because it's a woman saying it and just because we feel like it's not your place to say it is not credible. But when it all hits the fan, see, and, you know, warning always comes before destruction, and then you'll be like, well, she did say that. And then you want to blame her when the fallout comes because if you wouldn't have ever opened your mouth, then none of this would have happened. Well, you should have addressed the issue than rather trying to push it up under the rug. You knew this stuff existed here before I even got here. So why didn't you do something about it? Rather than try to make excuses, you know, for bad behavior or bad decisions, as we say. Hmm. Well, you know, the, 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 the end of, of the clip right there, the guy said the way they do it, you didn't prove it. Yeah. Prove it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And that's it. Yeah. But they already know. They already know that is that is true. So that was the whole yeah. purpose in 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 trying to refocus everybody else on something else. We don't want you talking ah. about that. That's not the focus right now. Who are you to try to bring back the focus to what we know the truth to be? We know it's the truth. We just don't want it out there right now. If ever. If ever. If ever. So who are you to try to draw back the attention to what's really going on when we're trying to distract them from, we're distract, trying to distract everybody from that? Mm-hmm. Great point. Great point. See, See and, and, and that's when, it, even if we, if we look at it today, when the smear campaigns happen and they try to bring things out of your past from 100 million years ago that really don't even matter, that probably happened before you were even in that position, you know, or happened when you were a teenager, you know, and and leave important parts out so that it seems as if, it's, you know, it's interpreted to mean something else when in the in the whole of the matter, it was that's not what it meant at all. See, so now we've got to discredit you and shame you publicly so you use credibility altogether so that no one will believe you anyway. So then we can still deter the public from which what's really going on. We still get to move them in the direction that we want them to be moved. Now, because what you say has no validation because 
you're not credible anymore. Tell them again. That's right. That's right. Uh, and, well, like they say, prove it. You got to prove it. Yeah, okay. Well, we just will go about Now, you know the thing about proving it is? You got to be careful how you prove it. Because if you prove a little bit too much, you may not be here much longer after you prove it. That's the thing. <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm laughing, but that's a serious, that's a true statement right there. That is a very true statement. Look, I, I've often said on this show, you know, it's three things Mr. Smith is going to try to do to you. All right? First thing, you know, they're going to try to buy you off. Okay, what what can we do for you? How can we make this go away? Okay, nothing. I'm going forward with this. All right? So next thing is they're going after the character. They're going to try and ruin everything you have going for you, everything. Mm-hmm. You, and now, if you insist on doing that, here's the third and final step. You out of here. You're gone. See you later, alligator. It's been nice knowing you. You're going to mysteriously come up with something, a heart attack, a stroke. You you, you fell off a cliff, you know, uh, got hit by a bus or something. Just random stuff that most people would look at and say, oh, wow, that's well, that's bad, but, you know, we're not even questioning why or how it happened. But those are the three steps that usually are taken to, to uh, silence someone that is very, very close to the truth. The truth. You know, uh, so, yeah. So, just so you know. <laughs> that comes in like, just so you know. That is exactly what happened. All right, guest 796, welcome to the chat room. Glad you can hang out with us today. All right, so now that I have fulfilled that need, and there was a need of mine, and let y'all hear about that, um, let's move on to the title of the show. We don't need no stinking parade, and we sure don't need no stinking parade. You know, and I hear, you know, the, 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 um, Administration kind of um, backing on, away from this now, where it was just a suggestion. No, that clown was serious when he said he wanted to have a military parade, uh, you know, pumping pageantry going down Pennsylvania Avenue. Okay, he said that, and he meant it because that's what he got when he went to Russia. And he looks at, well, North Korea can do it. I know we can do it. Now, now for those out there of you. That's about to say I'm, I'm unpatriotic, I don't understand, so forth and so on. My question to you is, how many parades have you been in? Okay? Also, my question to you is, how long have you did you serve in the military? All right, because I'm going to tell you how a soldier really feels about a parade. We hate them. We hate them. Now, why do we hate them? Because you don't understand the, the bull crap that a soldier has to go through to get ready for just a small Veterans Day parade. Let alone talk about one that you're going to be going in front of the, 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 the president and his crony. We hate them because it's, it becomes nothing but a dog and pony show. Dog and pony show. And it takes away variable, valuable training time. It takes away time from our family. It takes away time where we can just relax. 
know, but we spending hours and hours trying to get a certain, so many vehicles up and ready for this dang on parade. And we got to make sure that, oh, everybody is dressed all right. The, the hours of practice of marching that we already know how to do, but for the officers that's involved, the generals, the colonels, the, the light colonels, you know, all that is in the political game, they have to have it right. So the soldiers have to suffer because they have to practice because the generals, the officers and things don't know nothing about no, no, no practice of marching. The only thing they do is ride a jeep and salute. That's all they do. You know, we don't need no stinking parade. We know our military is, is, is great. We know our military is the bomb. We know our military is the biggest and baddest gang there is on the face of the United on the face of the, of the earth. And yes, I said gang. Yeah. We know at any time we can go in and take anything we want and won't nobody say nothing about it. Why? Because we the world's police. We've been that way for years. So what we need with a parade? Huh? Now, this parade is estimated to cost $22 million. $22 million. Okay. So what can we do with $20 million, $22 million? How about let's fix the VA? Get the veterans the care, the real care that we need. How about that? With the $22 million you want for a parade. How about, how about putting that towards some kind of program to get all our homeless veterans off the street, the ones that want to be off the street? You know, how about getting them all off, all, 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 you know, getting them off the drugs and treatments and things like that? How about let's do something like that with the $22 million? No, a stinking parade? No, we don't need no parade. No one want no freaking parade. Yeah, I'm upset about that because when I heard that, I just had to shake my head like, really, dude? Really? And then, in all honesty, you think I want to go and march down Pennsylvania Avenue for a clown that had four deferments for bone spurs in your, your, <laughs> in your, your feet? When I had soldiers with bone spurs running two miles on um, PT test every six months, really? You think a soldier really want to do that? No. We have better things to do with our time. And marching down Pennsylvania Avenue is not one of them. See, now. Of course, like I said, there's going to be those out there that, that's going to, you know, ah, well, you know, it just shows uh, the the gives the nation a chance to, to show how, uh, what word am I looking for, how, how grateful we are to our military. Well, when you see one, tell him, I'm very grateful. He'll appreciate that even more. Then make him get out there and march up and down a dang old street. That hurts your feet. Y'all don't believe that. That hurts your feet. Now, I'm just going to keep it real. You make your feet hurt at the end of the day. Because we know, for the, I don't know how many of y'all have been in a parade. When you usually in a parade, you have what we call the accordion effect. Now, you get the marching, and then they spread out, and then it closes up, then it spreads out. That's a lot of mark time march and forward march and, you know, right turn and left turn. That's just too much, man. That's just too much. Let alone talking about the damage the track vehicles are going to do to that street, them streets up there in D.C. 
you're going to need some of that $22 million to fix them roads. Because you ain't going to put no 70-ton tank on no dang on regular road and think it's not going to tear it up, especially when they have to make them turns. See, so I don't think this was a, a, a really well thought out um, thing. I think I, I, when he said that, I was like, okay, he's just talking noise. But when I heard reports that the Pentagon was really, really, uh, 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 <laughs> really considering it, yeah, they really made me upset. got me upset. Also, to spend so many, so much time away from their families, deployed in other countries, you know, involved in other people's business that we should be in in the beginning. But now to come home and have that time taken away from you because some egomaniac up there wants you to march up and down? No, 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 no. We would rather do a local, local one. That way our family can see us. You know, then to go up there and do it for him, who's never, never put on a dang on military uniform. And that's the way I feel about it. I really do. So it is what it is, and it's going to be what it be. No, we don't need no stinking parade. We don't. At all. Pete, you got anything to say before I let this caller in? Because as soon as I started talking, they popped up. So I'm going to let them in. But um, you got anything you want to add first? Well, this is one of the quotes out of the article. And it says, America does not need to be paraded about on city streets to show that it, that it is indeed mighty. America knows its values, although too few turn out to watch aged veterans march humbly on Veterans Day or to honor the war dead on Memorial Day. Trump wants a grand military parade because he saw one in France with French President Emmanuel Macron last July on Bastille Day. How ironic that the America First president who plans to restrict imports, export immigrants, and build a wall on the nation's southern border to keep out Mexicans wants a French parade. (laughs) Interesting. about the, the defensive question that was put in place over the last, you know, six, seven years. Okay, so you, you're breaking up. You're coming in and out. Yeah, he's going in and out. I was going to say, is he still talking or did he drop? Yeah, you want me to repeat it? Did you hear me? Or? No, we didn't hear you. You was going in and out. Can you, can you say okay. that again? No, I, yeah, what I was asking him is, um, how did you feel about the defensive question that the Democrats have put in military spending reduced significantly. Did you have an issue with that, or was you, were you okay with that? The sequester? Oh, you're talking about during yeah. the Obama administration? Yeah. No, I wasn't. I, I wasn't happy with that. No, I wasn't happy. And so, with that. and so now when when Trump had a massive increase in military spending, how did you feel about that? 
I have no problem with that because I know the wear and tear that our our our, our equipment takes on a daily basis, and we need we need for us to prepare to to repair and upgrade vehicles that we have, if not new vehicles. So no, I, I'm not. I have no issue with that. I really don't. And that's that was the whole purpose of the parade. The parade was in connection to the budget that just got passed. That the military is now uh, getting a massive increase. Yes, it is. That was the whole. Uh, he talked about. Saying. He talked about this. This was talked about six months ago. That they said if they were able to sure. get the military spending increase, that they were going to have. They were planning to do a parade. That's all it's about. But well, my question to you is this: Is it? Are you more really objecting about the actual military parade, or is it really just that Trump's doing it? Because if Obama did it, would you be upset about it? Would you still feel the same yeah. way? Yes, I would be. Yeah. Yes, I would yeah. be upset about it. Yes, I would be. You know, um, um, contrary to public belief, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm equal-handed here. If I, if Obama did something crazy, I was, I told you about it. He did it crazy. He did something crazy. It, it doesn't matter. Now, as far as the parade, it doesn't matter who would have came up with this idea of parade. We don't need no stinking parade. We don't. You know, as far as 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 this this bill for 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 the uh, military, you know, it's interesting that you will find that any time a Republican is in office, that's their main focus is to strengthen the military. Any time a Democrat is in office, their focus is to limit the amount of money the military has. It, 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 I mean, you can go back and look over over the the, 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 the terms of the presidents and and. Presidency, and that's that is how it breaks down. You know, three hundred billion for the military—that's basically a, a shot in the arm. You know, when you start thinking about the vehicles that they refitting, they're not replacing; they're just refitting a lot of them. You know, yes, we have to. You know, and, and I, I'm gonna tell you when I realized, you know, how far behind we were when it came to um, equipment as far as the military, when I was in, in in the Gulf War, you know, and I had drove I drove what they call a heavy equipment transport. In other words, I put tanks on the back of my truck and took them to the front lines or wherever they wanted to go. So, you know, we ride like we got the top of the line equipment, and all, then all of a sudden this big British truck pulls up, sleeper, you know, trailer large enough, then they don't have to worry about tires blowing out in the middle of the night and you know getting out changing tires, and they just rolling by. You know, looking at this like, really? But we supposed to be the best. We supposed to be best. So what happened once we got back? We basically got the same vehicles they they were they were driving. You know, just a little bit more, more upgraded. So yes, we need that. We need that money. But to take take twenty two million out to have some soldiers march down uh, Pennsylvania Avenue? No, I I'm not with that. I don't care who would have came up with it. Pam Grier can come up with it, and I still be against it. And I love me some Pam Grier. So, sir, no, no, I, I can't say that it wouldn't matter who came up with that idea. And I, I don't believe but, that thirty thirty um, billion dollars it, it includes that twenty two million. I don't. I it, it no. Well, of course it does. That's that's where they got the money to pay for it. I mean, that's that's how it all it's all connected, but. To the point of the purpose of the parade, this is all goes back to the idea of peace through strength, right? This is why Democrats have this crazy philosophy that they think that we can get people to negotiate with us or meet us at the, at the negotiating table by being nice to them. 
which is absolute. That's the stupidest thing ever. I mean, you've been in the military. I've been in the military. We know the best way to get peace is to be stronger than your opponent. That's what causes them to respect you and fear you and then be willing to talk to you because they understand they can't do anything. So all okay. he's doing right now, this is nothing more than a PR campaign against the North Koreans. And they're just trying to put the pressure on them to get them to want to then come to the table, negotiate, and accept terms. Because we're not dealing with a rational person in North Korea. Obviously, this guy, just like his dad, is crazy. They, they're, they're not thinking sane here. So what Trump's saying is, for the we've seen Obama, Bush, Clinton, and George, George Bush Sr. before him all play the same game of trying to be nice to North Koreans, giving them loans, trying to help them out, trying to do diplomacy. None of that worked. We did that for two decades. It didn't do anything. It didn't stop them. It didn't slow them down. They looked at it, they took what we gave them, and they kept on moving. So Trump's saying we got to do it differently. Other, I mean, I mean, I don't know if you feel like you, it's, you feel like we can still somehow be diplomatic with the North Koreans. I don't know what your position is, but I don't think that's that's doable anymore. It hasn't shown to be. So I feel like this is a smart route to take to avoid having to go to a, to a military conflict because otherwise, you sit back and then you let that dictator do what he wants, and we're gonna then have to go to war if he if he has a preemptive strike against South Korea or any of our other allies, or against any U.S. territory. So, you know. Uh, sir, I'm sorry, I didn't get your name. What, what was your name? Mike. Mike, okay. All right, Mike. You know, when it comes to North Korea, it's an interesting, it, 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 it's really an interesting scenario that, that is playing out right now. All right. Uh, number one, North Korea I mean, honestly, who 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 who's afraid of North Korea? Well, Besides, South Korea. Now they shoot, well, South. I mean, how many troops do we have in South Korea? Well, no, they're, they're afraid that he would launch a missile against them. That's the point because they're so close to him. Okay, now, just I mean, they, there's what thirty miles in between the, in between the two countries, basically the military militarized zone, and they don't think they can launch a missile at North Korea or a missile from Japan. I mean, my my point is this: you know, when you have when you look at at, at certain regimes or countries, you have to think what 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 is the what is the 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 the, the reason for what they're doing. Number one, North Korea has to do that to keep their citizens, you know, uh, believing in their government, pretty much. As depressive and, and repressive as their government is, that is what that is for. Now, you know, it, it's interesting because you think about the Americans that have been caught and put in, in prison in, in North Korea. If you really think about it, if we really wanted to do something to North Korea, it would have been done a long time ago. It, it really has. But what would be the purpose of that? What would be the purpose? What What does North Korea have? And I'm going to tell you why we really haven't done anything to North Korea. What do they have that we really want? Now, let's, let's remember, we, you in the military, like I know, when we usually go somewhere, that country has something we want. Because once we get there, we're not leaving. We're already on the Korean Peninsula in South Korea. So what does North Korea really have that we want? 
that would, I mean, would we'll justify put, it would put us right on the border with China. I mean, the reason, first and foremost, why we haven't attacked them is because they're a proxy for China. So they're supported by the Chinese regime. That's what, that's the only reason that that, hmm. that that leader's even standing right now. Otherwise, he'd be dead and taken out like Mubarak in Egypt, like Gaddafi in Libya and so forth. Exactly. But exactly. when it comes to when it comes to actually take what we would, what we get is we would be right on the doorstep of China, right? If you look at a lot of our conflicts in different parts of the world, it's all about positioning ourselves in certain areas because of whatever hmm. financial interests or if we have allies in the region, right. for example, like right. like we've seen in Iraq and Afghanistan and so forth. And so obviously that peninsula financially is very crucial. There's a lot of trade there. We have a lot of you know we have key financial allies in Japan and South Korea and the region. And obviously, you, I'm right. sure you're well aware of the struggle in the South China Sea between us and China. Right. China's building man-made islands to try to claim that territory mm-hmm. so that they can control the right. trade in that region. So Correct. that would be, from Correct. a geopolitical standpoint, that that's why China supports the North Koreans, because the last thing they want is for the Americans to have a, an ally or, let's say, at least a military base right on the border of China. That's the last thing they want. And so at the end of the day, okay. at some point, they're going to have to take this guy out because this guy feels emboldened because of the Chinese. If the Chinese weren't there backing him, he wouldn't be talking the way he is. He wouldn't be doing all these missile tests, but he feels confident because he feels like they're going to back him. It's the same way Assad did Bye. in Syria because he had the Russians, so he, mm-hmm. he felt comfortable threatening the Americans, you know, crossing the red line that Obama had laid out, all that. Because when they have these allies, they, that's where they get their strength from. So. The point of North Korea, this, well, is, this is nothing more than a chess match between China and America. And all we're waiting for is yeah. for them to make that first step. Once they make that step, it's on. We're going to go to war. It's just a matter of time. Well, I think, <laughs> you know, you, you make some very, very good points. And I like that you brought China into it because China owns a lot of America's debt, you know, exactly. number one. And number two, you know, China is, is buying up a lot of property around the world to include in the United States. China really does, does, doesn't need North Korea. I mean, really. Because um, I, I often say, you know, if you look at your cell phone or your electronics, you know, one EMP and bam, it's over with. You know, it's just that simple because everything comes from over there technology-wise pretty much. But as far as as Oom Kong, whatever his name is, the little fat guy, um, let's be honest. Before I think, I, I, now this is just me speaking. Uh, um, you know, considering the options that we do have, I think we would uh, assassinate him first before we actually went to war with him. Now, if that didn't work, then yeah, we probably it may be. But I think it'd be it'd be it wouldn't be as it'd be faster than most people think it would be. It, it really would be. You know, a, a lot of times we we listen to the propaganda and and, and the, the rhetoric that not only comes from other countries, but what even comes from our, outside our country. You know, let's be honest. North Korea is not a wealthy country. You know, they they do have some funds and they do that illegally. But the, the bottom thing, I really don't think it's like I don't know if you ever watch wrestling. You know, it, it, it's like um, Kevin Nash, who else? Uh, the Undertaker against uh, uh, um, the Fabulous Moolah. 
you know, the female wrestler. You know, that's no competition right there. I, I, I think if, if it comes to a push comes to shove, man, it wouldn't be an issue. But, 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 but in the same token, I understand what you're saying about Trump uh, 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 being more forceful. But the question is, can you be forceful and diplomatic at the same time? Do you have to antagonize and, and call folk out their name? Well, I mean, it, I mean we it, both compared to what we were we doing, it, right, but I mean, you'd, you'd agree that we would, like, basically, look what Obama did with North Korea, right? He basically did the strictly diplomatic, they tried to place a couple of embargoes and things, but he, that didn't do anything. I mean, the North Koreans were unwilling to talk. They had, they had absolute total disrespect and contempt. It's the same thing they did with, with Iran, with the nuclear with the nuclear deal that they made with them. And so, well, when you look at that, the question comes down to, you know, the old saying, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. So at the end of the day, Trump's saying, okay, these last four presidents all did the exact same thing, and none of it worked. Mm-hmm. So why why would I repeat mm-hmm. that? That's just common sense. So even even if you may disagree with his motives or his plans, what he's trying to do, at the end of the day, you have to at least agree with the idea that something has to be done differently because it has to be dealt okay, with. You I can't just sit that. back and let this guy continue doing what he's doing. And and um, the one last point I'll make with this, and this is about North Korea. South Korea at one time was at the same place as North Korea was. They were in the same situation. Mm-hmm. The economy was an absolute disaster. The people were starving. They right. were under a brutal regime. Right. But once they mm-hmm. got liberated and once capitalism was un- was unleashed there, South Korea now is one of the top economies in the world. It's a thriving land. Right. I mean, Seoul, South Korea rivals any major city in the world. It's one of the great business centers in all the world. And so the fact of the matter is, is that if North Korea gets un, gets released from communism and under a military dictatorship, North Korea could have the same turnaround that South Korea did. We're talking about millions of people having their lives completely transformed, like what happened in South Korea. And that will end up benefiting us mutually in an economic partnership, just like right now we have a great economic partnership with South Korea and Japan. We can we can increase that, and not only can it benefit America, but it can benefit the people of North Korea. So it's it's a necessary thing that would help a lot of people versus versus us just sitting back and continuing what we're doing, letting this crazy military dictator do what he wants, starving to death his own people, and causing you know uh, a military threat to ourselves and our allies. So I just think the the other option is a better one to take. Which is. What to go in and, and just destroy South Korea, North Korea? No, to to kill the dictator and to dismantle the entire government. Okay. All right. Well, we tried that in um, Iraq. You see where we are with that right now, right? Well, we tried it in South Korea and it worked great. I mean, look what happened in South Korea. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But the, and let's remember, know, let's remember that the, the Koreans. The Koreans don't have the same problem they have in Iraq, which is called radical Islam. That's that's a whole different scenario. That's why you can't compare the Middle East to say well, you know the the Korean Peninsula. It's very different. If you take yeah. the Korean the well, people in North Korea and you free them from communism and you free them from a military dictatorship and you give the people real economic freedom to do what they want, to pursue what they want, to to express whatever views they want, that's going to allow those people to have the freedom to do what they need to grow and flourish, just like South Korea. In Iraq, you had a situation where once we took out uh, uh, Saddam Hussein, 
the power vacuum was filled by radical Islamists. But that's the difference. That that scenario is not going to happen in North Korea. Hmm. Okay. Now, let's go to Iraq real quick. All right. Yes, we took out Saddam. Okay. And then we put individuals there that the United States thought was uh, going to be good for the country. Let's put it that way. I would say put our puppets in place. Come to find out they're even more uh, corrupt than Saddam, basically, you know, making sure one side was more powerful than the other. Okay. Did, 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 was, was quote unquote radical Islamic? No. no. Man, we created that mess over there. And the reason why we created it, and you can go all the way back till the Gulf War, that's where we created it. It just didn't take full force until the, the Iraq War. But Korea, let's get back to Korea. Now, the Korean War. Um, what was the Korean War about? North Korea was said, "Look, let's you know we want the whole thing in South Korea, like I, because of communism, what have you." Who was back in who? Right. Okay, so now we have a country that's basically in half, you know, with with a with a neutral zone. Basically, that's what it is—a neutral zone right there, a neutral zone. On one side, you have South Korea backed by the Americans and capitalism, you know, and Seoul is a beautiful city. Have you ever been in uh, South Korea? No, I, no, sir. No, sir. I, oh, yes. It's a, it, it is a beautiful city. It, I mean, wow. You're right. It rivals any big city we have here in America. All right. And, you know, in South Korea, when, if you, you know, in South Korea, you can take a, a, a tour down to the militarized zone and look over into North Korea. And you look over there and you're like, wow. You know, you don't see much, you know, but you what you do see, you're like, wow, how are these people surviving? You know. Um but the question is, you know, and, and now I, I think what is really is beginning to happen and I think we watched this we, we we have to pay attention to what has happened during the Winter Olympics when North Korea has allowed there's some their athletes uh, to participate with South Korea under one unified uh, unified flag. I think that's a start. Would you think that's a start to something? You know, I, I think I, I think what is what is really going on here, Mike, and I may be wrong, but I think what we get to see is the the, the dog and pony show. I'm gonna call it the dog and pony show. Compared to what is really going on behind the scenes that we have no no clue about, because honestly, I don't think China China wants to get involved in anything uh, warlike right now. You know, I really don't. Neither did Russia. Russia got other issues, of, you know, on their own. <laughs> you know, because North Korea is connected to Russia also. People don't realize that Russia is connected to North Korea as well. You know, but. You have American forces right there in Poland and the Ukraine right now, just sitting there. See, people don't know this. There's a constant rotation going over there right now. So, if you take a look well, at that, well, Ukraine, let's remember. Let's and, remember and, under Obama, the, the Russians went into the Ukraine and took a basically yeah. a giant chunk of that yeah. country. You know, and well, at the end of the day, let's remember Russia and China. They're 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 together in almost everything. And in every struggle right, we see, right. not, none of these none of these wars have anything to do with America versus these countries. 
this is America versus China and Russia. Like in Syria, that Syria is just a chess piece between the Americans and the Russians and the Chinese. That's all that was. All these little wars we see going on, what happened in Libya, what happened in Egypt, all these places, all of these are just pawns between these two major powers on the two different sides of the world. And so in the case, and let's go back to the Korean War. In the Korean War, if we had listened to the military generals, they said we should have went all the way in and took on Korea, China itself and then took out the Chinese communist regime. We could, have, we could have had total control of that region. But they didn't, and that's why we're in the situation we are now. But, you know, to your right. point about these, all these wars, this is, this is geopolitical struggles, and at the end of the day, America's doing what America's supposed to do. Any pinnacle nation in the history of mankind, all the major empires, all the way back to ancient Egypt, this is the same thing they've done. They always had these nations that, that they set up governments that did what they wanted, were basically like, um, you know, pawns for them. And if they ever did anything out of line, they got killed and took out and somebody else was put in place. That's always the case. Same thing with that. Yep. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Hey, I'm, you can no argue with me out of that because that's exactly what's happening. You know, um, you know, I, I, just something came to my mind when I was thinking about North Korea. So let's, let's not forget when North Korea uh, was at one time under the control of Japan, it wasn't. It was Japan that that right. ran um, North Korea for a while. Yeah, and then they, when they quote unquote became liberated from Korea, I mean from Japan, that's when um, the, 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 their dictatorship hierarchy started. You know, with the with the Kims and what have you. But thanks, Mike. I, I need to move on. But thank you, man. And that, I, yep. I enjoyed that conversation right there. Um, Same here, too. But you, you're you right. You're right. But um, I, I still say, you know, we still don't need to parade, man. We See, from the discussion we just had, we have more important things to worry about than this parade stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? We, we yeah, have, I agree with no, you. Man. Yeah, we have better stuff to do than, than a parade. But thanks, man. I appreciate it. And feel free to call in any time, man. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you. You have a good day. All right. Thank you. All right, Pete. Anything you want to add? Nope. Y'all pretty much covered it all. That was a pretty good conversation right there. <laughs> well, we do try. The show is called Let's Talk, right? <laughs> do that. Do that. Yeah. All right, y'all, we have eight minutes and uh, ten seconds left in live air time. We will go over time a little bit. So if you're not on the phone lines, hit me up, three, four, hit us up, 347-838-8622. We want to talk to you. Flycatch, I see you out there in the chat room. Flycatch says, speculation is shared is a shared opportunity, and all are welcome to participate. Let us not forget that that was what led to the fall of the Roman Empire. Parades are all about unity. Well, you know, Flycatch, you go to church, church supposed to be all about unity too, but you got this disruptors up in there too, don't you? I don't know why I came up with the church. That just popped in my head at the time. But, you know, it's one thing about uh, unity, Flycatch, but let's talk about um, practicality on this thing. You know, it just makes no sense to have a parade. If you want to have a parade, you know, let's do it for uh, um, Veterans Day, like we already do anyway, you know, local parades. So families appreciate that more. 
They really do. They get to see their husbands or their boyfriends or their daddies, you know, marching down the street in their uniform, sweating, you know, feet hurting. You know, y'all should say, here's some of the things we say while we in formation be marching. <laughs> it's not nice. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's not nice. But anyway, <laughs> thank you, Fly Kids. Um, see, what else were we supposed to talk about? I got all, all discombobulated. Were we still talking about colorism? Okay, before we get to colorism, let me let me bring this up real fast. This is real short. Aetna Insurance, because I know a lot of y'all may have friends that work for Aetna or, oh, excuse me, uh, uh, parents or, or relatives that has Aetna Insurance. Where in the state of California, there are they are now under investigation because a um, former medical director admitted under oath when deciding whether a patient needed care or not, he never, never looked at any of the medical records. None of the above. All right? And that is despicable, y'all. That is horrible. Now, what is, you know, who is that? You know, Edna's third largest insurer, you know, with 23.1 million customers. That's a lot of people not to be looking at their medical records. Now, what he said is he was following Edna's training, which was, um, uh, um, which, what he said, he was following Edna's training, which nurses reviewed records and made recommendations to him. Now, he's supposed to be the main man, but he's listening to what nurses are telling him. That's not good. That's not good at all. So I just wanted to bring that to you, to your, um, to y'all, to your attention. So just in case you may have Aetna as an insurance carrier, you may want to check into that. You know, you know ask, start asking some questions. You know, I hate to see you be, be turned down for a procedure you needed because somebody is stealing to look at your, your medical records. So, you know, they just don't do that. They take the word of somebody else. You know, and we all know medication is not cheap these days at all. But anyway, all right. For the next, however long it takes, I'm going to turn the floor over to my illustrious, knowledgeable, beautiful co-host, T. Ross. And so we can talk about that thing they call colorism. And you know that's not even in the dictionary, right? That word not even in the dictionary. Because I tried to look it up. You can't find it in the dictionary. Now, isn't that interesting? Hmm, I would say so. But anyway, go P. It's on you. Go P. Get busy, cooking. It's on you. Really? Okay. Go ahead. But those of you who don't know what what colorism is, and it's and it's not racism. That's the difference. Is colorism and racism are two different things. But colorism is the difference between your skin color and my skin color. It's there, you know. Mr. Tosky is a little bit lighter than mine. I'm a little bit darker. Some people would prefer that, and that's within the own your own community of folks. Um, and 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 the thing is that skin color matters because you know we we are a visual people. We see things, that, and our eyes attract us to that thing. It tells us, you know, how physically attracted we are to that thing. So. When we look at that, you know, we do have race-based prejudice. You know, 
on, 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 on human beings because we have attached certain priorities or certain values to skin color, to certain tone, you know, where, where skin color becomes a, 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 a more significant identifier of how valuable they are. You know, now Mr. Talking tell y'all about the brown bag test. But, you know, we look at people and we expect lighter skinned blacks to be more successful than, than darker skinned blacks. It's just an inbred. This is what we've been taught. Rather purposefully or or, or, or just because it's just what was done. See? Now, this article says in the 21st century, as America becomes less white and the multiracial community formed by interracial unions and immigration continues to expand, in America, color will be even more significant than race in both public and private interactions. Why? Because a person's skin color is an irrefutable Visual fact that is impossible to hide. You, you can't hide your skin color. You can bleach it and all of that, but if you don't keep doing it, guess what? It comes back. You go back to what you originally were. See? Whereas race is constructed in quasi-scientific classification that is often only visible on a government form. But you can look at somebody and you can see, you know, whether, you, whether you're light skin, dark skin. Say that again. Only on the form. Say that again. It's only on the form. Because, see, a person's skin color is irrefutable visual fact that is impossible to hide. Whereas race is a constructive, quasi scientific classification that is only visible on the government form. Mm-hmm. So, all those forms mm-hmm. that you fill out, they ask you what race you are? Yeah. See, that's the only time it, it, it's really important. Mm-hmm. See, because in, 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 in this country, we have a limit of, 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 of racial categories in, in the U.S., and that's black, white, African, uh, not African, American, Indian, Asian, and Native Hawaiian. See? And then Hispanic and non-Hispanic. But then they ask you if you're black, it, it, black Hispanic or black non-Hispanic. Mm-hmm. Right. What is black? What, what is non-Hispanic? Black non-Hispanic. That means that means you you're not of any Hispanic origin. That you are supposedly 100% black without any Latino or anything else in your gene pool. Oh, okay. then if you are if you are Hispanic and your skin is dark, because we know Hispanic range they they want to call it spectrum. But if you're Hispanic and, and and your skin is dark, then you're a black Hispanic. And those of you who are out there who apply to this, if I'm wrong, let me know. But this is the way it's explained here. Because you have the lighter skin and you have the darker skin. But if you're the darkest skin, then I guess you refer to as black Hispanic, which makes no sense to me because if you're Hispanic, then you're just Hispanic. So we have all those variations, but 
at the end of the day, the skin color will continue to serve as the most obvious criterion and determine how a piece, how a person will be evaluated and how they will be judged. Because in this country, because of deeply entrenched racism, which is where it begins, and then it moves over into your your own race, into your own area of who you are or who they say you are, whether you're black, Hispanic, or what have you. We already know that dark skin is demonized and that light skin wins the prize. And that occurs precisely because this country was built on principles of racism. It can't be overstated that if racism didn't exist, a discussion, a discussion about varying skin, skin tones would simply be a conversation about aesthetics. But that, unfortunately, is not the case. See, and this is where colorism comes in. The privileging of light skin over dark is the root of an ill-known, ill-known term as colorism. The funny thing is that the word colorism, like Mr. Talk said, doesn't even exist, not, 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 not officially. It's not going to appear in any dictionary or anywhere. And the one person who was most often um, um, credited with using this term was Alice Walker, who's an author and activist. And activist. And in her book, In Search of Our Mother's Garden, Walker defined colorism as the the prejudicial or preferential treatment of same-race people based solely on their color. Now, we know light skin preference has been common practice in our black community for generations, even with mothers and their children. Dark mothers prefer their lighter-skinned children than their dark, because it was inbred in them that those are the ones who may be able to pass. Those are the ones that may be able, you know, they'll be the more successful. So the dark-skinned children, you know, the dark, darker children were deemed from the onset, even in their parents' eyes, to be most likely to what? Fail. But as a note, you know, black people, you know, black Americans are not the only people except obsessed with light, how light or how dark a person's skin is. It's felt all over the world, including Latin America, East and Southeast Asia, in the Caribbean, and in Africa. So then here in the United States, because we're supposed to be a melting pot or what have you, and we have citizens hailing from all corners of the earth, our brand of colorism is both homegrown and imported. This article you know, also says, and, and it also says, and this was the thing that I, I really highlighted on this too, when I read this article, it says that, make no mistake, white Americans are just as colorist as their brown brothers and sisters. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what well, you think? What well, yeah. you think about it? If you think about it, you know, especially here in the south, or when you move to the north, you know, everybody down here is tan. When you go up to to in in the northern areas, they're they're really pale white, you know. So 
they they put, oh, you should have such a beautiful tan. Oh, you're, you're just too pasty white. So it, it exists. It exists. <laughs> and, 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 and if we be honest, we've heard, we've heard our friends and, and coworkers and different people make that conversation, have make that kind of remarks towards each other. Mhm. So what is it that what is it that that, that you really want? Why why is, is why is not the skin that we're in just good enough? Mm. And like I said, well, you know, the the brighter skin tones are the ones who who are deemed to be the most who are going to be the most successful. Those are the ones that are going to get ahead. Even in the fact that, and this article says that in 2006, the University of Georgia study found that employers of any race prefer light-skinned black men to dark-skinned men. Regardless of their qualifications. Furthermore, it says in another research in 2013, researchers Lance Hannon, Robert Decina, and Sarah Birch found that black female students with dark skin were three times more likely to be suspended at school than their light-skinned African-American counterparts. Interesting, interesting uh, um, point of view there. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, and this colorism thing has gotten so bad, so bad that, you know, even in African countries, some African cities, they have um, just banned skin bleaching um, products, you know, because mm-hmm. it just became an epidemic over there. You know, everybody want to be lighter, 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 lighter. Now let's let's look at this in the big picture and throughout history. You know, another no other part of the world has the color of your skin really became such a big issue except for here in this country here. And why is that? You know, as a, as a method of control. Basically, that's what it what it was a method of control. You know, and. The, the, the sad part about this whole thing is it, it's not, a lot of times it's not from outside of your culture. This is within the, your culture itself. You know, family members, uh, you know, sometimes they, they can be even more brutal than anyone outside of, outside of your family when it comes down to colorism, the color of your skin. You know, I, and, 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 you know, remember back when I was a child, I remember some of the names I used to get called. You know, <laughs> which was funny to me because I used to look down and say, no, I'm not. You know, because it really didn't matter to me, I guess you could say. I never really thought about it on that type of level. So as you get older, you see more of it and you think back like, wow. You know, I even went through it then, didn't even know that's what I was going through. Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Steve. Go ahead. I just had to get that in there while I was rolling through my brain. 
You know, and that's good that you brought about it up in the home because that was the next point it says in this article, you know, that, you know, we 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 put so much value, you know. You know, it says suffice it to say one one's health, wealth and opportunity to success in this country will be impacted by the colors of one's skin. And sometimes it's irrespective of one's racial background, even darker white people have different experiences than their latter hue Caucasian counterparts when it comes to access and resources. Colorism is so deeply ingrained in the fabric of this nation that we are that we are all implicated and infected by its presence. And the sad thing is that for many people the lesson of color of color bias begins in the home. Mm. Mm-hmm. Don't we know it? <laughs> yes. Don't we know it? It begins in the home, you know. So if it's gonna be, and if it's gonna make a, if it's gonna be different, you know, parents are gonna have to be able to create a space for for their children, you know, rather than acquiescing to oh well or falling into this trap. You know, and, and so many parents did because I know, you know, I went through the same thing because I had a brother and sister that were lighter than me. Mm. And we used to, we, we used to call them the golden kids. Mm. You know, because they could do no wrong in our mother's eyes. Now, did that make it, you know, better for them or, or good for them? No. Because we persecuted them our own selves, you know, just because of the privilege they had with our parents and grandparents because they were of a lighter skin. So, you know, we would beat them up and take stuff from them. They always got, you know, they always got extra stuff, which we didn't feel like they had any right to have. Let's just be honest. We're, we're talking about little kids, elementary school kids growing up. When you already have desegregation going on and you already have the Caucasian race telling you you're not good enough, then you go home and you have the same thing because your brother and sister is lighter than you. And they still tell you that the color of your skin is not good enough. <laughs> wow. My, my, so my. then, so then, so so then, you fight who you can because you're unable to beat up a whole system of of Caucasian people in 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 the school system or in the, in the world. So where do you fight? You you fight where you can control it. You fight where you know you got a guaranteed win, and that's in your family, which that shouldn't be. But that's what it was to gain a sense of power, to gain a sense of control. Basically. <laughs> well, yeah, you're right about that. Ooh, you're right about that. Mm-hmm. I see somebody wanting to have a conversation. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, the, this, um, this was adapted from um, the same family, different colors, confronting colorism in America's diverse family by Lori L. Tharp. And that's on the Beacon Press in 2016. Um, her final statement is that it is, this is not to say that the solution to solving our color problem as a, as a country lies in the home, 
But that's precisely where the conversation should begin. From day one, parents of every color should begin to celebrate color difference in the human spectrum instead of praising one over the other or even worse, pretending we're all the same. Then we could have a more public-facing cross-cultural dialogue about the more global problem of colorism and its plot, and then to plot its necessary demise, which means just to kill it all together. Hey, you are the color that you are, but at the end of the day, we feel all human, and it really doesn't matter. But in this country, unfortunately, it does. <laughs> yes, unfortunately, it does. Wow. You ready to let the caller in? Oh, you got me? oh yeah. Well, yeah, that's it. So. <laughs> okay. Let me bring this individual in here. All right, Triple One, welcome to the show. Who do we have here? Oh, this is Miss Lady. How are you doing? Hello, Miss Lady. I'm doing fine. How are you? Oh, just busy as usual. Doing fine. I got over that cold. It took a long time. Boy, it took a long time. It took over two weeks. Anyway, I just you know what this this topic has just been talked about so much, and I hear what the um, T. Ross is saying, but it's becoming like just like to me nothing seems like it's changing. Uh, the same issues are here that you no, know, I've been hearing the same issues talked about year after year after year after year, and. Um, I just think it's just so so problematic and deeply embedded that it's not going to going away. And I've decided, as being a lighter skin person um, who has, um, you know, had a lot of disrespectful verbalizations and attitudes hurled my way, I just decided if I just read people's energy and I, if they have negative, hostile energy, I have no contact or I limit contact as much as possible because I don't want my spirit to be uh, damaged from all of that hatred and anger and resentment, and there's nothing I can do about it. I'm just come to that conclusion, and I'm a, and it's not and, and I've had even from even very fair people that look um, biracial, you know, with very straight hair. So it's just so strange. The whole thing is very messed up. And hello, yeah, yes, we're here. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, 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 and there's nothing I can do. And I remember being very young, you know, and a very, you know, kind of shy teenager, you know, and I had a lot of hair on my head and having so much jealousy from people, grown women. And here you are, 12, 10 and 12, 13, and people glaring and yelling at you, talking down to you, all that old foolishness. So I'm done with all that. I don't care mm. who you are. What color you are, if you have a bad attitude, bad. There was one, I was in the grocery store this weekend, this huge woman in a wheelchair. She was dark skinned. Her whole countenance and energy was so 
horrible. Now, she, you know, she's having health problems. I'm sure she's in pain, drug arthritis or whatever. But I just felt for the lady that had to, to help her at the deadly counter. Oh, the way she just, mm-hmm. oh, I, I got away. Hmm. So there you go. All right. <laughs> well, thank and, you, ma'am. you know what? And I'm going to tell you another thing. You talk about these jobs where a lot of times those very obese, unattractive, dark-skinned, African-American women will be put in those positions where have obviously had poor self-esteem and got their self-esteem needs out, out of being directors and managers, and they were put there specifically to kiss other black folks that didn't look like them hell. Because I even, my son told me years ago, he noticed it on his job, how this that one that's angry, how she would just treat this very fair-skinned, nice-skinned young guy. He had a college degree, just horrible. Talk to him like he had a tail. But the other one, she didn't do that to. So it goes in reverse a lot. Well, it's it's not actually a a a reverse because it's it's still the same animosity on both, whether you're light skin or dark. No, skin. I don't it's think both. so because I have no animosity toward anybody. I never have. I think no, that's a that's a no. mis, that's a misunderstanding. I don't have no, animosity. No, no, no. I'm not saying you specifically. I'm talking as far as colorism goes. You know, the dark skinned women are upset with the with the light skinned women or men or what have you, or I should say people, as well as 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 light skinned or can be upset with, with dark skinned people and they devalue them. It's in the value that you place on the color. Oh, so of you mean dark skinned people. people devalue other dark skinned people? They yes. They they that that's what colorism is. Whether you're a lighter person or a darker person is based on the color of your skin. Just because well, I never thought about dark skinned people devaluing other dark skinned people. I never thought because, about it. Yes, because they're that dark would make sense. Yeah, that that is exactly what colorism that's what exactly what colorism is. Because you're defining on somebody on the hue of their skin rather than their character and what they bring to the table. You know? And and, and a lot of people you know, if you look like you were saying with your son, she treats different people that way. Well, then that's just something in her. That's something that's inbred in her. It's colorism because he was very fair and attractive, he said. And uh-huh. she gave him, him. Now, you hear you are 50 years old doing that to a 22-year-old uh, young man trying to make a way for himself. You you know, and and he was pleasant enough from what I understand. But she's trying, she's already, now see what you're doing, when you treat people that way, you really want to harm them tremendously. Because now you're harming their spirit, you know, you're increasing stressors in their life. So now they might end up with health problems because of it. Insomnia, stressors, they've taken that home. You're trying to ruin their life because you have all that hatred. And so this is what I'm saying. It's, a, it's evil. It's the intent to really harm somebody. 
when you mistreat people that way. And I recognize it, and um, it's really sad, but it's not going away. And they're going to keep putting people like that in position because if anybody comes in that's talented, creative, with good character, with confidence, they are not going to be able to stay. They want those kind of people in those positions far too often because they can be manipulated and controlled, and they know that they have low self-esteem. So they'll give them a few peanuts and they're, you know, behind their back they're laughing and talking about them and calling them monkeys and gorillas. And but they think that because they got some title and they're making, you know, a salary uh, that an uh, increased salary, they're parading around like they kings and queens. Hmm. Interesting. Thank you. So, no, my thing at this point is, it's like that woman, oh, my God. I got away from her. I hadn't seen that in a while. (laughs) But she's she's Mm -hmm. harming her own self. I mean, being that angry and hateful, oh, God, her spirit was so dark. She's making herself sick. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And anybody that's got to deal with her. That is true. That is true. So that's just a different take on it. Because I've seen where, um, you know, a lot of skin people catch hell on these jobs if it's somebody like that in a position. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lawsuit about 25 years ago. It was a black, lighter skin. It, I forget what state it was. It might have been Georgia. It was the first, I think, was, I, that they had. So she went to the um, the uh, EEOC or somewhere. She went somewhere uh, and filed a claim or lawsuit against the uh, company she worked for because they, they had one of them big gorillas, angry gorillas, Everything had been fine. She'd been working at the company with no problems. And then this thing came in, this beast, and then proceeded to mistreat her and, uh, and, and demean her. And she took her desk from her, put her like in this tiny little space where she couldn't hardly move, facing the wall. Uh, she started taking assignments for her. She was very hot. I mean, she, I mean, I can't remember, but it was really bad if you read the lawsuit, if, if, if what was alleged was true, from verbal stuff to just, like, really screwing her over and uh, demeaning her. And it was based on colorism because the woman was really dark and she was obese and unattractive, and this was a younger woman who was light and attractive, and she said it was based on that. And it, I'm sure it was. Yeah, but I don't think she was able to win at that time. It might be different nowadays. Hmm. <clears throat> interesting. Very interesting. Hmm. <laughs> wow. Never considered that. I never considered that. Oh, yeah. That. Yeah. So that's not something people wanted to add. 
keep on fishing. <laughs> and um, right. I, I, I'm through. Okay. <laughs> Goodbye. All right. Thank you, Miss Lady. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> well, Pete, anything else you want to add on that topic before we get up out of here? No, but you, you know, just wanted to clarify what I was saying to this lady. You know, it, it goes, it goes both ways. You know, we we have to realize that's why it's called colorism. It doesn't matter the 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 the, the color. It's just the fact that you have an issue with somebody because they are lighter or darker than you. You know, and 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 you think that what they bring to the table or what they have is is, is less significant than what you have or that they have less value you have, you know, and and, and that a whole generation or, or, or a whole category of a person based on on their color is, is, is being demeaned, you know, just because they're lighter or darker or a brown tone or, you know, not what you would, you know, not something that, that you just, Sincerely agree with, or that you think is appropriate, but or that is not, I should say, in other words, pleasing to your eyes. Whether you like dark skinned people or light skinned people, it, it, it's just not pleasing to your eyes. So, so this is this this is you know the the phase that that we're going to use because they're lighter, they're closer to white, then we're going to use them to succeed. And like she said, with the example of the supervisor. You know, in that position, her being her 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 being darker, you know, and in that position, she has something against probably because that's the same thing that she's been taught that because they're lighter, they're supposed to get ahead. But look at where you are now; you're doing the same thing. If that is what was done to you, now you're turning around and doing the same thing to them in reverse. That doesn't make you any better than anybody else. That makes you just like them who perpetrated the same thing against you. And we have to realize that and not, and not continue the cycle. Hmm. And not continue the cycle. And that's where we fall and and that's where we fall in the trap. That we get when we get in a position of power, that we can make a change. We persecute the very ones that we say we want to help. Because we get caught up. We get caught up, like I said, in the cycle in order to maintain what we have or where they put us. Well, is it worth it? At the end of the day, is it really worth it that you compromise again? You compromise your integrity for a dollar. For a dollar. Dollar. Dollar, dollar, bill, y'all. You know, instead of reaching, instead of reaching back, trying to be a mentor to the young people coming behind you, no matter what the hue of their skin is, no matter what the color of their skin is, you feel some you you feel some kind of way because you remember how you were treated. Well, that person didn't do it. You are where you are. God made a way anyway for you to be where you are. Just be thankful, reach back, and help somebody else that might have didn't have the privilege that you had. Uh, I had the opportunity that you had. We were talking about Percy Julian earlier. He started his own chemical company. 
He hired black folks. He put them in position. Mm-hmm. That their white counterparts said that they could never have. He made them accountants. He made them head scientists, head research scientists, all of this. So he didn't look at his, his light skin and, and think that, you know, this, this was a privilege because to them he was still black. And he was told a black man couldn't hold that position over white people. So when he saw a need, he fulfilled the need. A door was open so that no other scientist with a Ph.D. or with a master's, they would have an opportunity to be something more than a teacher. Because remember, that's what they told him. That's all he should esteem to be. They told him to go back and teach his folks. Mm-hmm. Go teach them what you learned. You can teach your people, but, you know, you can't teach our people. Right. <laughs> See, so not not be not being willing to settle for that. He pushed forward for more. He pushed forward for better. And he and he and 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 he didn't think that that he was too good to reach his hand back to help the next person up. As long as you're willing to work hard, hey. Let's do this. And that's all it should Let's be about. You know, it. that's all it should be about. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't matter the color of your skin. But unfortunately, in this day and time, hey, it still does. And that's very, very sad. That's very, very sad. Very, very sad. <laughs> all right. That's it? Yeah, that's it. That's all I got to say about that. There's no more to be said. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, then, I think I will just go on and move on from there. Thank you much. Thank you much. Outstanding. And y'all, y'all don't realize we've been trying to get on that topic for the last three shows. <laughs> we finally got to it today. Woohoo! All right. So. Uh, clock says 4.32 my time, so it's time to ride up out of here, y'all. Um, it's been fun. We covered a lot of things today, and uh, all of it was great. Great, great show, P. I got to admit, that was a great show. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was. Yeah, great show. So, I'm trying to figure out what we're going to talk about Friday. I don't know. We'll talk about something, though. We always do. Um... <laughs> Before we get up, before we get up out of here, anything else you want to add? Last words, anything like that? Hey, just remember to live above this one world system. The one world system. Are you a part of it? Anyway, <laughs> I couldn't resist that. You know, I'm gonna make a promo with that on there. That's gonna be cute. Anyway, um, oh, have mercy. Sometimes I just tickle myself. All right, so. I want to say thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody, for hanging out with us today. In the chat room, we still got guest 759 and guest 817. Appreciate you, man. I love you. And uh, we really do appreciate you. 111, I see you still hanging with us. Thank you. And everybody that called in today, 
Give a special shout out to Mike, new caller. Uh, nice conversation we had on on this, this parade and the political things of the military. Uh, I really enjoyed that. Uh, for everybody else that's just listening, if you missed any part of the show, remember you can always go back to the archives and listen uh, to the entire show, or you can go to the show's webpage, which is www.ericlesstalk.com. Uh, you find quite a few videos on there. Um, some blogs, and like I say, all the shows that we've done so far. So you can go back and check that out as well. And if you have any ideas, anything you want to talk to us about, or, you know, we want you want us to do on the show, send us an email at either of our emails, which is ericletstalk.com. Oh. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. ericletstalk at gmail.com. I forgot my own Gmail, my own <laughs> email. That's crazy. ericletstalk at gmail.com or l.leona, yeah, p dot leona dot ross 24 at gmail.com there it is well i tell you my brain running faster than my mouth today um but i want to say thank y'all for hanging out with us it's been fun and we will be back here friday god willing no no sudden appointments or anything pop up and i hate it when va does that but anyway sometimes you have to do what you have to do um just want to say, remember, keep smiling, show appreciation, forgive with open heart, but make sure you forgive yourself first. And the biggest, best thing, learn to laugh at yourself, man. If you laugh at yourself, everything else is gravy. All right. So, for me and my co-host, P. Ross, we're going to get on up out of here, y'all. We're going to take you out of here with some Stevie Wonder. Don't you worry about a thing. The original, baby. All right. Until Friday, y'all have a great week. We see you then. We out of here.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.